You are listening to More to the Story, a weekly podcast featuring Pastor Drew Tarwater and Pastor Darren Enns of Forefront Church in Denver, Colorado. Each week, More to the Story podcast will follow the Forefront Church Sunday Sermon as Pastor Drew and Pastor Darren guide you through the Bible from Genesis through Revelation. Every podcast will feature in-depth analysis of the sermon and answer questions about the Bible. Now, here is more to the story. Welcome to the Forefront Church Podcast. This week we have with us Pastor Darren Enns. Welcome to the podcast. How you doing, sir? Thank you. Doing good. Good, good. About 28 days from graduation is the rumor. Plus or minus a few. <laughs> whoop, whoop. Plus or minus six, no, three, five. I don't know. It's I'm it, a seminary. I don't do math. Oh, yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Pastor Drew Tarwater. <laughs> what, what flavor cake do you want for your graduation party? I. You German chocolate oh, guy. Are you gonna, he's going to do a marble guy. He wants a marble cake, is my guess. He's a, a marble? marble cake? He wants Spider Man. Here's the thing. Iron Man. Whenever someone hears what my favorite is, they like. Uh, that might not last. So I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to tell you what my favorite kind of cake is right now. If you don't tell me, I'm going to get you a vanilla cake with white vanilla icing. That just... sounds great. Okay. That's you know my, mom, my mom is bringing my favorite bar cookies, so nice. I'm set. What I'm going to do, Darren, is I'm going to get you like an eclair, like one of those croissant ones that are real flaky and airy, but put nothing mm-hmm. inside of it, and it'll represent the empty tomb. Like It's just <laughs> oh, a big, empty cake. What, what a segue. What a segue. What? <laughs> yep, that's... And you're going to be like, oh, this cake is theologically sound. <laughs> I, I, w- I would not do that. <laughs> <laughs> Pastor Drew Tarwater, thanks for picking on Darren with me. Hey, it's, it's a pleasure, always. It's, my, it's my favorite part of the week. Well, so, second and favorite. <laughs> and I'm Rob Lazzi. If you're listening, you have questions, or you want to just, hey, celebrate Darren and say congrats on gradu- graduating here in about three to four weeks, shoot us a note here, life at forefrontchurch.tv or in the comments on wherever you are listening or watching to this. So let us know. And the, so, but today we're actually talking about the empty tomb. Whoop, whoop. Yeah. You know, we, Easter 2023 happened. It was amazing. The tomb is still empty, which is incredible. I'm going to uh, Google that just to make sure. Yeah. Just double check. I was there in January and I can confirm that uh, both speculated locations of the empty tomb are still empty. All right, I want to so, ask you about that though. Like, how do they go? Like, we it's it's like it's like hey, this cup of coffee used to have coffee in it. I think it was <laughs> I think it was the cup that Jesus used for his coffee because we know it's an empty cup of coffee, and it's his coffee would clearly be empty by now. It's like okay, so in in I, I've been to Levi Stadium where the Niner, 49ers play. Yeah, and they have they have the patch of turf where Dwight Clark caught the catch oh yeah if you google the catch you'll see this and it's it's the thing that propelled the 49ers over the cowboys in the 1981 it was a great catch championship it was a good catch but they they preserved the patch of turf (laughs) and it's in their museum it's like like this like is do we have the patch of dirt that was underneath the cross (laughs) when you go to jerusalem they pretty much preserved everything they could (laughs) preserve or at least where they think it was Yeah, so what they did was, if you look at an old school map of Jerusalem at the time of Jesus, 
life. There was two rocky areas, one on the west and one on the north side of Jerusalem, of the old city, where there were rocks and it would have been on a major road. And so they take all the things, you know, people who traveled in, Rome would crucify people on major roads. And they would also, it was, we know it was called the place of the skull. It looked like a, a, a rocky area. And so they said it's either one of those two locations. And so in uh, the 300s, there was the mother of Emperor Constantine. She built a church over one of them. And then the other one was kind of lost um, until the 1800s when it was unearthed uh, in an archaeological dig. And that's where the garden tomb is today. And so they said, well, it's, it's, we think it's one of these two. You know, the thing about God is God knows that our broken hearts want to worship things and places. And so it could be neither of those spots. But the garden tomb is awesome because it at least gives you a great picture of what it would have looked like, mm-hmm. what the tombs in that, uh, that time period looked like, what the stones that would have been rolled in front of the tomb looked like. So that was my favorite of the two for sure. Uh, but they're both really interesting. Darren, I got a question for you then. Are you more of a graduation cake or would you prefer graduation pie? Why are we back on this? Cake. Because Rob has got a sweet tooth right now. It's Monday morning. <laughs> Cake. We're moving on. Cake. Okay. Fair enough. Okay. <laughs> so there's, in, a, in, there's the, a, in a cylindrical shape rolled up against a wall. Oh, no. okay. I get it. I get what you're like doing. Stone. Oh, I see. Moving I on. I thought you were talking about Swiss cake rolls. Those that are good would, too. That'd be good too. We'd have to take the cream filling out again for like, it's empty. <laughs> so there's some theories about why the tomb, Jesus's tomb, is empty outside of him rising from the dead. So can we go through a few of them? We got this article that Drew sent us that we'll go through. We can put a link to it in the description if people want to follow along. But there's some theories, and we'll, show, we'll sort of go back through this top 10 list. We'll go with number 10. There's a theory that the body of Christ was just stolen out of the tomb. So, Drew, why was that? why is that theory at least weak? Well, you know, here's here's what I would want to say just to start is that looking at things through the Christian worldview as believers of Jesus, we believe that Jesus really did rise from the grave. And there's a lot of amazing evidence for that. And we'll get to that. But for those people who are looking at the empty tomb from a historical or archaeological perspective, and they don't have um, they don't have the eyes of faith, and so their response is, "Well, I have to come up with a reasonable explanation on why the tomb was was going to be empty." If I if someone doesn't believe that Jesus is the Son of God who died on a cross and rose from the grave, then they've got to come up with a natural explanation. Also, a lot of these theories originated at the time of Jesus' resurrection. So if you remember the gospel story, you know, in Matthew, they buried Jesus. The Roman um, guard, you know, they, they, they take Jesus down. Joseph of Arimathea buries Jesus. And then the, high pre- the chief priests go to Pilate and they're like, hey, Jesus said something about rising from the grave. Well, if he does that, you know, what, if, what happens if his disciples come and steal his body? Then they're going to create all kinds of controversy. And so Pilate's like, well, you have guards. Go put guards in front of the tomb. And so they did. They put a seal on the tomb. And so when Jesus rises from the grave, uh, and one of the, another one of the gospel writers tells us that they came up with this lie that his body was stolen. So a lot of these theories started 2,000 years ago. And some of them are, are uh, have developed and, and so forth. And so, again, it's just trying to explain the supernatural away. Uh, because they're not looking at it through eyes of faith. And the first one we're going to look at is what they call the 
uh, stolen body theory. And this one's just simple. And you see this in Matthew 27. There's guards. Something happens to the guards. There's this experience where the angels come. Jesus rises from the grave. The angels roll the stone out of the way. And the guards are like shaken in fear. And so their experience is, well, man, we don't want to admit that we let Jesus's, uh, that, that Jesus did this. And so they basically said the disciples came and they stole his body away. And we see that this is the, probably one of the earliest, you know, things that started to spread among the chief priests and the Romans. And this was to try to discredit the fact that Jesus walked out of the tomb alive and the guards basically, you know, the, the guards basically were, um, you know, overcome by angels and in their mind that something happened, they were overcome by these fishermen and they stole the body. And, and I'll add to that, uh, I just finished listening on audiobook to a book called Case for Christ by Lee Strobel, and he does a really thorough and, and, and good job, incredible job of talking about um, the validity and the reliability of the New Testament that we have, because a lot of these things that we're, we're going to talk about, we'll say, well, well, Scripture says this, but if you don't believe that Scripture is reliable, then then you can easily dismiss that, and that's what that's also what a lot of people do. And um, the problem with that is all of the evidence for the reliability of the documents that we have written from the New Testament is higher than any other ancient literature that we have. So the writings of, say, Aristotle, you know, we only have a handful of copies of ancient texts that are not even the originals. Right. And they don't date that that far back so he when did he live he lived in the bce era mm-hmm. like in like before christ or b- right. before christian era so um but we don't have any documents dating to that time but for scripture for the old testament especially we have documents that date back to the 200 and 300 bc um uh, for the new testament obviously it wasn't written before then but the amount of of documents that we have and the reliability that those have when you compare it to other ancient texts is incredibly high. It is. It, it really, if, if you're going to accept these other ancient writings, you have to accept the New Testament as well. Yeah, you have the book of 1 Corinthians that's written 12 to 15 years after mm-hmm. Jesus has died. You've got Josephus, mm-hmm. right? You've got you've got the Roman historians. Yeah, he was a Jewish historian who Jewish historians. wrote for the yep. Romans, yeah. Tacitus, was he a, he was a Roman historian? Uh, I think so. Yeah. Sounds like a Roman name. Yeah, it does. Don't quote us on that though. <laughs> <laughs> we could google it, I bet. You know, it, it is really interesting. So you have this, you know, historical evidence that we have in in the writings of first century uh first-hand witnesses. But what's interesting about the stolen body theory, and this is why I say we shoot this one down just from the start, is because Imagine this. Okay, so Jesus Jesus is in the tomb. You've got the temple guard, right? And when I was in Israel, these temple guards were walking around with AK-47s. Now, <laughs> these are Roman dudes. Romans were the fiercest of warriors in the first century. So you've got the, the temple guard who are guarding the tomb. You're telling me these, these 11 fishermen who ran away when Jesus got arrested, who were... Air Jesus Birkenstocks are going to roll in and defeat the temple guard and roll the stone out of the way? No way. They didn't even have any, they weren't even bold until they saw Jesus resurrected from the dead. So I think the stolen body theory should just get thrown out. What I, what I think really throws the holes in the stolen body theory, if the disciples stole the body, assuming that's who the, you know, the main accusation of who did it, is like, but their lives changed for him acting like it was resurrected. And it's not, people talk about power and glory, that's what they did it for, but they didn't get the power and glory. You're talking generations later, like with like, 
you know, like the Catholic Church and things like that, where they're going, this is where the, you know, they did it for power, but it wasn't for them. They didn't gain any power out of this. They didn't mm-hmm. gain. Yeah, something happened to them yeah, 50 right. days later. Like something, something happened that changed the world. Yeah. From, from the, these 12 disciples. And of course, there was a wider circle of people within them, but mainly those 12. Yeah, it was something crazy happened. Yeah, so, and they didn't become like legends and, and, you know, Instagram influencers. They gave their life for the gospel, right? These all they guys. They wrote letters. That was the Instagram. They did the write day. letters, which yeah. was great. But they, <laughs> these guys were in hiding. Half it was the retweeted time, a you know? few times. Yeah, they, they, they fled. <laughs> Like why would they, they, the scripture reports that they fled Jesus and they, like they weren't there when he died, most of them. So what, why would they go and steal the body now? Like they had abandoned it when Jesus was dead. Right. So yeah. I think the, the stolen body theory is, is, is out. We'll, we'll the next it, one's interesting. Though. We'll call it pretty weak. So number nine, the swoon theory. Who wants to explain the swoon mm-hmm. theory? Yeah, the swoon theory is basically that Jesus didn't die on the cross, that there was something that happened with him that he just fainted, he he swooned, and that he came back, you know, he he was he revived himself or he yeah, he he regained consciousness when he was in the tomb. Um some people look to the passage where it talks about him drinking sour wine and vinegar or wine mixed with gall is what Matthew reports, I think. And, uh, well, that, that was some kind of thing that caused him to pass out and make it look like he was dead. Well, a couple problems. Um, he was stabbed through his, like, rib cage right. by the Roman soldier. Um, not only that, but he was tortured within an inch of his life. Um, and it did not take long for him to actually die. And these are things that, that um, the gospel writers report that... They they wanted to break his legs yep. because they didn't want the bodies to be up there on the Sabbath. So the the Rome, or the Jewish leaders came to the soldiers and said, "Hey, can you break their legs so they die faster? Because when you break your legs on the cross, you can't push yourself up to breathe because your legs are broken." Um, and when they came to Jesus, they found he was already dead. So he died way faster than he should have because of all of that torture. He was pierced. All this like there's. It, it really just doesn't stand up to any scrutiny right. at all. Yeah, and you know, if you've ever been in like a bike crash and you skin your knee up and you're hobbling, you're going to you know, you imagine all the punishment Jesus took, right? 39 lashes mm-hmm. on his back, the hole on his side, you know, hanging on the cross for six hours, right? Which is going to separate your shoulders and all of these things. And then he's going to be able to have the strength to get up, push the stone out of the way and walk out. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, come on, you know? And so again, that's when theory. And the soldiers are there. Like, how's he yeah. going to just casually walk out? Yeah, he just walks out. He defeats the soldiers, Steven Seagal style. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think the swoon theory, again, it just, it's it's silly. The big, the big hole, I think, with the swoon theory too is if you've ever been in a room when someone's passed like everyone it's not hard to realize someone's dead right mm-hmm. they're not coming back yeah it's yeah and, the, and these Nicodemus guys were, and Joseph of Arimathea wrapped his body you know they would have known if he had lungs breath in his lungs still yeah so it's just it's one of those where it, it's a pretty weak theory at best so the next one hallucination theory this is probably this one's one of my more favorite ones yeah this is one of my favorites too you know there are experiences out there where people have hallucinated and have seen people, right? We, you know, would this include uh, like hypnotizing? This could be, I think it could be a combination of hypnotizing. It could be a combination of like just, um, sheer sadness and depression, Mm -hmm. uh, lack of sleep, anxiety, fear, uh, denial, denial. There's, there's also, you know, a lot of theories on, on just like the, the drug 
hallucination theory, right? So, you know, there's a lot of thoughts that, you know, it just, uh, there was a, a very common um, level of drug use. And so these guys were um, kind of hallucinating and thinking they saw Jesus. But what's interesting is while, while you know, there, there's been a lot of studies done on just like, you know, um, peyote and, and um, you know, acid and LSD and all these different kinds of things. Right. Um, and you know, what they'll find is, yeah, there are these examples of hallucinations out there, but science, scientific literature on hallucination, there is no evidence of a mass hallucination. Um, th- there's not one example of this. And so this, one of the things we see in first Corinthians 15 is that Paul says, well, Jesus rose from the grave and Peter saw him. And then, um, the disciple saw him and then his brother James saw him. And then, 500 people saw him at one time. And so, you know, you, you could, you could, the argument from hallucination theory says, well, these guys, you know, just, they thought they saw Jesus when they were in the upper room, but you can't explain away the 500 people seeing him at one time. And you can't explain away his fact that his brother, James, his half brother, who thought he was complete lunatic for thinking he was the Messiah, changed his life mm-hmm. and became a leader in the church and ended up giving his life for the church. And so his you, brother's not going to hallucinate independently. Yeah. And you don't base your faith and go to your death over something that you're not sure of. Exactly. Like, Wait, did I imagine that? Did I hallucinate that? Right. But it, it, yeah. That, again, a lot of these things can be torn down just from those, right. those ideas. There are some great um, stories that are coming out of the Middle East and Islamic cultures of Jesus revealing himself to people in dreams. But in all of those cases... Uh, Jesus opens this door where people meet a Christian or they meet a pastor and they'll talk about it and then they'll get introduced to Jesus. And so they investigate that dream. So yeah, again, Darren, that's a great point. These disciples, if they were, let's say hallucinating in the upper room, you know, they would have gone and investigated it right Mm -hmm. Yeah, before they would have gone and started a movement that took their lives, but it still can't account for the fact that 500 people saw Jesus at one time resurrected from the grave. Yeah, and this this website says that mass hallucinations don't exist. Like, yeah, they just don't. No e- scientific literature out there that says a large group of people can have the same right. hallucination <laughs> just doesn't work. It's, it's asking <laughs> exactly. for a bigger miracle than what the res- resurrection is for the mass hallucination. Right, it, it is, yeah. and and you know the reason that you'll find people that take these is because they just can't accept the supernatural, and so they have to try to find another explanation for it, and so they'll go to further links to try to dis. Um, discredit the supernatural by coming up with something that's just impossible. Coming up with other theories than the mistaken identity theory. The theories that someone else, someone else was crucified in place of Jesus. This one's got a little bit of interesting. I'm sure I've seen this one on history channel before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I, I think we will talk about the same kind of things. Like how did Mary really not know it was Jesus? Did, did the disciples not know it was him? Like, he had he had the the nail marks in his hands and in his feet. Um, that you're like, did Jesus have a have a twin? That oh, that's actually, that's actually on here. But like, <laughs> how, you 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 don't you don't do that. You, this this was the guy that you followed for three years. Yeah, John slept in the same camp, you know, different tent, I'm sure, but same camp as Jesus for three years. Mm-hmm. And John's there with Mary, his mom, and everybody in the crowd watching him on the cross, you would clearly know that this is Jesus on the, on the cross. Yeah. Uh, the next one, copy of a pagan myth theory that, you know, this is a theory that, you know, a myth that Christian Christians took from other myths of history and took it as their own. 
you know, this is the classic zeitgeist movie, you know, where people want to, and it's usually, I want to just be very kind to our college kid listeners. When we're young, we always think we're smarter than we are. And we always think we figured it out. And so this is the classic like college student trying to find a conspiracy theory. They watched Zeitgeist. They heard about the, you know, Egyptian God of Osiris and they go, oh, well, no, this is all just made up. It's just a a copy of a pagan myth. Uh, But that doesn't, again, you know, I, I appreciate everybody's vigor for trying to be thoughtful, but there is at this point in our historical evidence of the life of Jesus, there is beyond a shadow of a doubt that a man named Jesus of Nazareth lived, that he was crucified by Pilate, the Roman governor, and he was buried and that his disciples claimed to see him alive, which birthed the church, which became um, a moving force in Roman culture. That is, that is undeniable. And, and so looking back and saying it's some copy of a pagan myth theory, um, what I would rather look back and see if you look at like the zeitgeist movie and a lot of these other theories is actually what many of these things, again, this is literature that they claim is old, but that we don't have any copies of mm-hmm. many of it's actually copies of Jesus that they've tried to twist and turn into being something that existed prior to the life of Christ. The next one reminds me of why I use Google maps instead of Apple maps, the wrong tomb theory. <laughs> this is where yeah. they went to the wrong place. Uh, right. So it, it was this one. Uh, we can talk about the women who went there. So there were a couple people who saw Jesus die. Was it the Marys? Was John and John? Yep. The Marys and John. Marys so and John. It was the Marys who went back then on Sunday morning uh, after he was buried, and they, they were gonna put some more spices and stuff on him uh, on on the body. Uh, they they you you really think that the mother. Like a, a son, the mother of a son goes to the wrong tomb. Like, I mean, think about it. That that doesn't work. Yeah, that's your that's your firstborn, the, your baby boy, yeah. the the son of God that came from the promise, you know, of the angel Gabriel mm-hmm. that you've you've lived and followed and loved. There's no, you know, you're not gonna get that wrong. There is no way. And if they did, then they'd be like, oh wait, no, this isn't the right tomb. It was it was this one. Like you. If, if they would go back to report to the disciples, hey, the tomb is empty, and the like, all the 12 disciples went, it's like, oh, wait, that's the wrong tomb. Let's go to the right one. Yeah, like because a, remember, she goes and tells Peter and John, and they run, mm-hmm. and John was there. So John ran to the tomb and poked his head in. Yeah. You know, she didn't have to give him directions. Yeah. If there's a wrong tomb, then there's a right tomb. They would have went and found it, and that, yeah. And then the Romans would have right. been like, oh, you guys went to the wrong tomb. You guys used Apple yeah. Maps again. So. <laughs> The twin theory. This is actually one for, that's new for me, where this theory says that Jesus had an identical twin who took Jesus's place on the cross. The closest I've heard of this one is like, where it's like um, Islam theory, where they wouldn't let a god or be hurt and be right. mistreated. Is the closest I can think of. Yeah, the twin theory is just another just silly grasp at trying to find another explanation because these other ones have all been shot down, and so yeah, these next two are really ridiculous. You know, that Jesus had this twin that just operated. Um, and then, you know, instead of Jesus, the twin went to the cross. Really? You know, if you're Jesus' half-brother and you think Jesus is crazy because that's what we saw that his sisters and brothers thought about him when he was telling everybody that he was the son of God, you're not just going to volunteer to hop on a Roman crucifix and give your life. So mm-hmm. I think that's just, it's just another silly grasp. 
I mean, if I had a twin brother, I don't think he would do that for me. I don't think <laughs> <laughs> he's like, say what? what? Like, What's what? your idea? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna hard pass that one. So <laughs> hard pass. So the next one is now one again. I haven't heard this one before, but it is quickly turning into one of my favorites just because of my ancient <laughs> aliens infatuation. It's the alien theory. This theory says that Jesus was an alien who had advanced abilities and technology that he used to amaze and convince the crowds that he was God. And when he was placed in the tomb, he beamed himself out and appeared to his disciples afterwards. So it's a little bit of Star Trek in here with aliens. So with Star Trek, we'll go to Darren. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> the, so the whole alien thing is interesting. I'll admit I'm, I'm a video gamer. I, I like to play video games. And there's a specific video game called Mass Effect that, you know, talks about in 2152, humans discovered uh, an alien depository on Mars. And, you know, it gave them, it rewrote human history as we knew it. Um, if, if that happens, I, like, I, I've honestly thought, like, man, if we, if there are actually other extraterrestrials out there, what would that do to, to Christianity? Like, what, what will, like, I'm, I'm honest, I've had that thought. And I'm no, like, it's a it's an interesting. Th- we should have a future podcast on that because we could probably go for twenty minutes. Yeah, but it's all speculation. I could go for it is all I speculation. I can't handle that. I could go <laughs> for twenty minutes. I'll do all the I'll do all that for you, Darren. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> it yeah. Anyway, um, so like yeah, if, if if aliens are out there, then then it really rewrites all of human history. And the thing is, in the ancient world, everything was religious. Like everything. There wasn't the word secular that we have in English today because everything was tied to a deity. Um, and so like this, the, there was no concept of any of this back in, in that time. Um, and the, the website here just says it's outlandish. Like it, it gives its, its props. This theory admits the empty tomb. Okay, we got, we got one positive <laughs> yeah. here. But then it's like just outlandish. You know, the first century knew nothing about aliens. The Bible teaches that Jesus was 100% man, 100% God, which is not alien. So um, there's, it, it's, it's just really hard because we can't prove there's not aliens. However, nobody can prove there is aliens. Exactly. And so the burden of proof is on that side. And what's interesting right now, about this theory any. is, yeah, again, it admits the tomb is empty. So let's think about this. Jesus is 100% man, 100% God. He's divine. So Jesus, in theory, is this um, heavenly king that comes and takes the form of a human, right? He does have special power. He does have the ability to rise from the grave. He does have is the ability God to do an extraterrestrial? I'm just saying. Well, extra meaning outside and terrestrial meaning earth. He yeah, is so outside Earth. In, in a way, I don't. He's not an alien, but he's he's God. And so, <laughs> I don't know. These alien theory people, they don't realize that they're actually saying that Jesus is God and that He rose from the grave. Well, yeah. If you ever watch, so coming from a guy who watched Ancient Aliens is probably way too much. Everything they can't figure out, it must have been aliens. It's like that's <laughs> no, the yeah. that's the baseline solution. And then like, if you can't prove them differently, like. They built the pyramids with aliens technology. That's how they did it. We know because we don't know how else they did it. And you're just like, well, that's if I use that logic and reasoning in my Christian worldview, people would just they'd laugh you out, you know, mm-hmm. off anything. So it's right. It's, right. The alien theory is funny. I like I like they said it's outlandish and it's kind of fun yeah. to think about now. But I just still, want to talk to the alien guys and go, hey, do you realize that you're actually really close to becoming Christians? Like you just need to change the lens you're looking at it just a little bit and believe. 
The next one. All right, what's the last? Yeah, this is the last one where they try to, you know, come up with another theory other than the real gospel theory. The contradictions theory. This theory says that the disciples have made mistakes when describing how many angels were at the empty tomb. Thus, we cannot trust anything else they had to say about the resurrection. Yeah, I think this is just the classic case of, you know, people who... For whatever reason, maybe they're atheists, they've walked through a really hard time in their life and God didn't answer their prayer, they're an agnostic and they're just not sure because there's so much information out there when you Google something online or many other positions that people could be taking where you just say, look, when I look at the scriptures, I see that they contradict each other. So I'm just going to throw it all out because these guys are a mess and they don't know what they're talking about. When really, if you look at it, they complement each other. They don't all have the same story, which if it was the same story, wouldn't you want think that they got together and colluded? But instead, one guy says, well, it was Mary and the other Mary. And one guy says, well, actually, it was Mary, Mary and Salome. And it's like, well, who was it? Well, it was all of them. But they're just all giving us a little bit of detail. And when we bring it together, we see the full picture. And so, again, I think the contradictory theory, contradiction theory is just a one last ditch effort to say, hey, we can't take any of it because it's not all the same. But if it was all the same, those same people would go, well, we can't trust any of it because they've colluded. So it's a no win situation with these people. And uh, we love you if you're one of these people and we want you to meet Jesus because he is incredible. Um, and will change your life forever. But again, I think these theories are just trying to grasp at, thro- at, at straws to try to come up with an idea to, to uh, push away what supernaturally happened that, that amazing day 2,000 years ago. So an, an illustration um, to, duck, to see, like w- we in the Western world have this worldview that we shouldn't put on the Bible, um, and it has to do with scientific precision. So if I, as an American, fly into Paris and I want to like talk to people there, Am I going to walk into the airport and just start talking English at them? Or if they don't understand, say English louder, there are, (laughs) I have seen this happen. uh, And it's incredibly culturally inappropriate. Can you point me to the restroom? (laughs) I need bathroom. But like, yeah, it's, it's, it's really silly. And it's completely culturally like unaware. And so if, if we as Westerners have our worldview that we really need scientific precision. Everything has to be right. Things can't contradict because that's how we view the world. And we force that on an ancient text that was not even close to that. We are being irresponsible. Just like when we fly to a new, new country, we're going to take a, uh, we're, we're going to get an English to whatever language it is, English to French dictionary. We're going to learn it. And if we need to ask where the bathroom is, we're going to learn that the French word for that is toilette. And we're going to say that. Ou esque la toilette, or you know, however that works. And we're not going to say, hey, where's the bathroom? Like, that's not going to work. So we're going to learn their culture, try to enter into their world. And if we, do, if we do that with the Bible, we're going to do some culturally responsible things. And one of those is not to force the scientific precision on the Bible like we do. So the, these contradictions are only contradictions in the Western world with those that worldview. It's not a contradiction for, for an ancient writer to not worry about the details like we do. So, yeah, that's my illustration to help us understand that part. No, absolutely. And then the final one, the resurrection theory. This theory theory says that Jesus did what he predicted and what the Bible proclaims. He rose again from the dead. You know, and as Christians, 
people will sometimes, you know, opponents of our faith will be like, well, you guys have this blind faith. You guys just believe this ridiculous supernatural thing. And that's when we come back and say, there is so much evidence. It's not just one thing. We look at, you know, the, the, this idea of, again, Paul is writing 1 Corinthians 15, 15 years after Jesus is born or after Jesus is, is uh, crucified and rises from the grave. And he's saying, look, Man, go talk to any of these number of people that I'm naming by name. They saw Jesus alive. The 500 people who saw Jesus alive, so many of them are still alive. Josephus, the the you know Jewish historian, you know says, hey, look, this there is this character, Jesus Christ, and his disciples believe he was alive. And then again, as we said earlier, we look at the disciples' lives and see that these guys were all chickens, and they ran and hid. And then when they see Jesus alive, they're emboldened to go take the gospel out. You know, James, John's brother, one of Jesus' close disciples is, you know, he's basically beheaded just not long after, after this happens in the book of Acts. I believe it's chapter seven, if I'm right. You got the apostle Paul who was killing Christians and arresting them, meets Jesus on the road to Damascus. His life has changed and becomes the most on fire church planter in history. All of that is just evidence. We take all of that plus so much more to say that we believe that Jesus truly did rise from the grave. There's one theory that this whole thing doesn't actually talk about, and it has to do with the uh, the idea that it was mythologized like years, decades, even even a couple centuries after mm, right. this these events happened. Uh, and this is something that Lee Strobel addresses, and and that's again based on the textual evidence of the of the New Testament. It, it's really not true because we have some original documents that are pretty close, like within a couple centuries. Well, we've got a Gospel of John that's dated to 120 AD, which right. is ridiculously close for historical literature. Yeah, and another thing that Strobel talked about was First Corinthians 15, starting in verse 3. There's this creed that Paul talks about. Right. That, uh, for what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And it goes on and talks about who he appeared to. Um, that uh, a lot of scholars think, and it's reasonable to, to believe, that this is a creed, an early creed that was developed within a handful of years after the events of the resurrection. Because this is something that, based on on the the style of Greek, that's in there, and also just based on something of, of how how it's composed, it, it really seems to be an early creed that was developed and passed around orally within a couple of years of how this happened, and that's right. something that Paul Paul used. He, he he taught this in Corinth, and he was in Corinth before what was fifty. Well, when, when did the Council of Jerusalem happen? Yeah, what so you know, if you think remember. about Jesus would have, we think Jesus would have died in about eighty twenty seven ish. It's twenty seven to twenty nine. Yeah, is what I've heard. And then within ten years, Paul is on the mission field. Right. So, so you're talking late thirties, potentially. Yeah, forties probably yeah. for sure. Right. Yeah. So like these things are happening so quickly, mm-hmm. and and mythologies happen hundreds of years after. Um, we, we have the Gospels of Thomas, the Gospels of Mary Magdalene, the, Mary Magdalene these yep. other things. Th- those scholars can only date them to uh, to hundreds of years after these events. Yeah, Gnostics. Yeah, which is why why we those really aren't included in, in the canon at all. So that that's that's a big thing I think that isn't in this article. But yeah, another one to talk about. No, it's always interesting to think about. It's always fun to think about why other people believe what they believe and. With the information that's out there, there's been a lot of lies and mistruths told 
about this to help mislead people. So if there's questions you have on this, if there's one, stuff you need some clarification on or you'd like some more information, reach out to us, life at ForefrontChurch.tv. We'd love to hear your questions, your thoughts. How can we help you point you to get you something to help you understand with, you know, why, you know, how Jesus rose or why Jesus rose. We'd love to share that with you. So we thank you so much for that, Pastor Drew Tarwater. Thank you so much. Any parting thoughts? You know, our hope with this podcast is just to add value and to think about how do we help people strengthen their faith. And when we talk about things like the empty tomb, you know, there's a lot of theories out there as we just went through nine of them and there's others. And so what we don't want people to do is have this faith where they just, you know, it's a Sunday school faith where somebody challenges them and they go, oh my gosh, that's another great theory. And then their faith is, is shaken. We want you to know what you believe and why you believe it. And so when you look at things like these supernatural explanations, you need to go and investigate them, understand the theories around them. And so that way, if anybody does ever challenge you or you come upon something you're not sure, you have a, a, a foundation to stand on and an understanding. You know, Christianity isn't a blind faith. Our, our faith following Jesus is an educated, intentional, um, you know, rooted faith in the Bible. And so let this, let these things be kind of fun, but also let it drive you deeper into, into putting your full trust in the Lord. Yeah. Having faith includes the mind that God gave us. Mm -hmm. So it's not an anti-intellectualism either where you put horse blinders on that you can't see anything else in front of you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Pastor Darren ends any parting thoughts? Uh, that wasn't my parting thought. I was wondering, I just wanted to, just wanted to make sure I didn't want to <laughs> My parting thought is I think Darren wants the spring fling cake for his graduation. The what? Spring, spring fling? Spring fling. It's like it's got the fruit toppings on it. The I'm going red velvet for him just because that's my favorite. See, yeah, if you don't give us a cake, we're just going to get you what we like, and we hope you like yeah. it too. Okay. Which I'm fine with. Cake. I'm fine with. It's like it's like give you know, have you ever give your Those spouse a gift great. that like, hey, I hope you like this because if you I'll use it if you don't. So, all right. <laughs> Well, with that, thank you so much for listening. Pastor Drew Tarwater, Pastor Darren Hens, and I'm Rob Blasey. Thank you so much for listening. You have been listening to More to the Story, a weekly podcast featuring Pastor Drew Tarwater and Pastor Darren Hens of Forefront Church in Denver, Colorado. Each week, More to the Story podcast will follow the Forefront Church Sunday sermon as Pastor Drew and Pastor Darren guide you through the Bible from Genesis through Revelation. Every podcast will feature in-depth analysis of the sermon and answer questions about the Bible. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another edition of More to the Story.